Future Proof Extra from News Talk. Now, when you think of a telescope, you probably think of a long pointy thing, with glass at the end, you put your eye to the other end. Um, but there are different types of, of telescope. And um, the usefulness of a glass telescope that you might have in your attic is sort of now gone because we've been doing that for long enough that we don't see anything new that way anymore. And so to see more, we have to develop more uh, interesting and bigger telescope. And and uh, very recently, Ireland became part of an enormous telescope. If you know by by area, it's got to be the biggest telescope in the world. It's called LOFAR. Um, here to tell me uh, about it is Sean Mooney. He's a, a PhD student at the UCD School of Physics, and he's a member of the LOFAR Survey's Key Science Project. Sean, um, first off, th- this um, this. A telescope measures low frequency radio waves. What what are low frequency radio waves? Well, we're producing some right now. So um, the FM radio band is is low frequency. So we're trying to detect low frequency radio waves, except coming from space. Um, so we built a telescope to do this, and even now, so part of that telescope is in is an Offaly. Um, and right now, like this radio station will be picked up by Offaly in, in the telescope there. Right. So we're trying to look for radio waves all around this kind of frequency. So we think about microwaves, they're really thin, like you think of like a thin laser type thing, right? Yeah. Which is high frequency and uh, high band, like a, a short, short wavelength, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Low frequency is like what just big long waves, like a like a big long lasso type thing. Yeah, so a, a radio wave. That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you? you, you okay, so them? so the radio waves we look at are about two meters, so they're they're quite oh, wow. big. Yeah, they're quite large waves, and I mean they're you know harmless and, and, and like our world is filled with radio waves. We use it for communication and all that because it's so low power. So generally, bigger waves are are quite. Um, you know, safe. Um, but then on the other end of the spectrum, you have things like X-rays and gamma rays, which people know are kind of They're dangerous intense. and radioactive. Right. Yeah. So um, th- we're we're capturing these two meter long waves in in Offaly. Offaly is um, in Burr. Uh, there is one point of a multi point um, radio uh, telescope. Wh- why yeah. why are there so many spots around Europe? What's the point of that? Okay. Yeah. So Lofar, it's a radio telescope. Okay. So it's it's just a collection of radio antennas. And those radio antennas are it spread out. It doesn't look cool. You wouldn't actually know it's a telescope, uh, to be honest, if you're walking past it. Uh, so you'd need a sign. But um, these radio antennas are spread out all through Europe because one of the, the key things of a telescope, which everyone kind of has knows intuitively, it's like the bigger the telescope is, the more powerful it is. So uh, what we want to do is make the telescope as big as possible. And to do that, the antennas are spread all across Europe. Um, and then the signals from all of those antennas are basically combined artificially at the center in the Netherlands um, to, to form a, a super telescope that's effectively the size of Europe. So like it acts like that. Which um, which sounds great, but you're talking about an enormous amount of information, aren't you? Like, yeah. the, do you have any, like how much information do, do you pick up in, in the space of a day or a minute or like? Yeah, so I mean, there are a number of challenges. Firstly, yeah, so you're producing about a gigabyte of data per second at all of these locations. So, and all of this has to be moved back to the right spot. Um, and then information has to travel between them. So, you know, in France and in Burr and in uh, like Poland, you want to be looking at the same spot at the same time to the precise nanosecond scale. So you need clocks in all of these locations that are same. And, and so just even calibrating an instrument, I mean, the yeah, it's just the mechanics of doing something like this is difficult. Um, and so the telescope was actually proposed by um, 
a guy called George Miley, who's an Irishman, and he went to UCD. In 1997, he proposed this, um, but it wasn't even feasible to, to produce that much data and to move it from Ireland in Burr to the Netherlands. Um, so really only in the last like 10 years, maybe even in 2007, this wouldn't have been possible. But what, what, so what do we see? Why, why are we looking at these sort of um, frequencies as opposed to shorter wavelengths? And, and why would we not be able to see something like that with a smaller telescope? Yeah, so um, the optical telescope, the standard telescope you're looking up, we see stars, right? And and if I go outside at night and I look up, I'm seeing stars mainly in the Milky Way. Um, but each frequency that we look at, so if we took an X-ray telescope, a, a radio telescope, we're seeing, we're basically putting a filter on what we see and we're seeing a different type of sky, a totally different image. And if we really want to understand you know, the night sky, the galaxies and things, we have to really build up a complete picture of them. Like we're, we evolved to see optical light um, just based on the sun, basically. But if, you know, so, so we're limited in what we can perceive. So we have to build instruments that can basically detect other things. So these uh, wavelengths that we're looking at, do they come from particular types of objects? Are, are, do they start off as shorter wavelengths or, or what do we know about them and what can they tell us about our universe? Yeah, so if, so if we look up and we see stars at night, if you look up with uh, LOFAR, if you make a map of the sky with LOFAR, you won't see a lot of stars, but what you'll mainly see is um, emission from black holes. So black holes, as uh, they take in material, um, some of them emit jets of material. So just like a fountain, you know, you have just this jet squirt like shooting out of it. It's that kind of thing we see. Um, so these they look bizarre and it's it's something that's really unintuitive versus what we would expect versus like these stars are point sources, these huge jets coming from black holes. But that's what we pick up at low fire, like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them. That's a great visual analogy, actually. Like it's like a fountain. So the disc of the the, the you know the the water at the bottom, yeah, uh, that that makes the, the the base of the fountain is your your sort of a black hole, yeah. And these and this the water that's spouting up from the middle, that's that sort of jet of radio of radio yeah, emissions and, and other stuff, yeah. So um, just just on, as a brief aside, yeah. I'm, I, we talked about this a while back, and uh, people were saying, you know, there's a huge amount of mass in the black hole. Is black hole just a terrible term? Because it gives you an idea that there is an absence of stuff in it. You know, when you think of a hole, you think there's nothing in it. Mm. But yet, these the, the thing about black holes is that they're the, at the centers of galaxies because they've got so much stuff in them. Is is black holes like a really problematic term or or not really? Yeah, I suppose like hole is a bit of a misnomer, but then you can fall into it in the same way. But the um, the the fact that that I often say is that like if you swapped out um, a black hole about the same mass of the sun at the center of our solar system, you know, nothing would happen to us. We would just keep rotating around it. So like really? it, because it, all of this, we're, like gravity is just pulling in mass. Um, so if there was a black hole that weighed the same as the sun, you know, there's no difference there. Um, oh, we would freeze to death in seconds. Yeah, yeah so the, the, yeah, totally for the first eight minutes, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's not like they're constantly sucking things in. It's just material f- slowly falls in. Okay, so um, using this telescope then and, and trying study studying things like black holes, what do you find? Yeah, so what what I'm interested in is um, so every galaxy right has a black hole at the center that's about a billion times heavier than the sun. So like you know numbers we can't really conceive of, um, and most of them are emitting these jets of material out into space. So what I'm particularly interested in is looking at um, these jets which are pointed directly at Earth. So we're looking right down the barrel of the jet. Um, and like, you know, like any object. So, I mean, galaxies are just randomly scattered across the sky. Um, but if we 
Um, I, but if you were looking down the barrel of a gun versus side on, you know, you're going to get a very different perspective of, of what you can see. So we want to look down the, the barrel of these jets and kind of see, well, how does that fit into our overall picture, our overall understanding of other galaxies? Um, 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 like we've sort of turned on LOFAR was it last year the, the Dublin site of LOFAR is that right? Yeah so so well yes the reason um, the LOFAR station in Ireland is in Burr is because it's a radio quiet area like we were saying about radio interference from, from radio stations so like the one reason you wouldn't ever put a LOFAR station in, in Dublin is, is for that reason um, but that was became active yeah I think in 2017 Okay. Uh, it was, um, so like Ireland has joined that whole network and now we're all working together basically to um, just to map the entire sky. Which is really cool. And I suppose, you know, um, Burr was this uh, site of the largest telescope in the world for some time. And uh, the Earl of Ross, you know, was an amazing astronomer, as was his wife, uh, a fantastic scientist. And they did amazing things there such a long time ago and when you go and visit um, Burr Castle and see that um, the the old relic the Leviathan telescope it is such a thing to behold like if it's a yeah. sunny day there is actually probably nowhere nicer to be than than uh, at Burr Castle um, so it's it's lovely that that history is there and that and that now we're we're, we're part of the biggest telescope again yeah um, but the so have we seen anything new because you know some people might question how much money we spend on these things although this this one's quite cheap Mm. Um, what, what have we learned that's new about our universe and and and, uh, and how is that useful? Well, so the so the, we're in the process of basically making a map of the entire sky with LOFAR and, and that part of the reason to do something like that rather than saying, oh, we're going to look at one object is saying, well, what will we discover? You know, we don't really know. Um, and I mean, to think back of like when Einstein developed the theory of general relativity, that was like 100 years ago. Um, that seemed quite, you know, elusive and like why would, there was no tangible, um, tangible aspect to that. But, but now, I mean, things like GPS, you know, wouldn't work without that. Um, so, so we, we, I suppose we just don't know what we will discover yet. Um, but, but on a, on a shorter time scale, like some of the incremental discoveries that, that we're making, like, um, I'm interested in understanding basically how these jets are formed in the first place. And, and because these are such extreme objects, it kind of acts as like a, a laboratory in space that we couldn't ever have in in like on Earth. Um, and if, you know, the same physics that it takes place in, in Earth, like obviously hold, should hold throughout the universe. So like if we wanted to test a theory, it, you want to do so in the most extreme circumstances you can. So that yeah. would be like, how does it hold up near a black hole? Like uh, and, and, and why do things shine so brightly? Um in terms of um, the different sort of things that you seem to spot out there, I learned a new word today while researching this, and that is a blazar. I've heard of quasars and pulsars. Yeah. What is a blazar? I mean, there's plenty of words in yeah, astronomy that are just sound uh, each more sci- uh, sci-fi kind of than before. So a blazar is just, so a quasar is one of these galaxies that tends to have these jets coming out of it. Um, and a blazar is just the, the term given when you're looking down the barrel of the jet. So people thought they were a different type of galaxy, you know, a, a very unique object. Um, but it's only in the last like decade or so, there's been this um, theory that oh, maybe they're all the same, just type of object, just orientated differently. Oh, you know, so they're the sort of like pointing, so their jets are pointing in different ways. And so if you're looking right down the middle of it, it look, might look, Yeah, it, it just looks different. Yeah, exactly. And people thought they were different 
like intrinsically different at the time but now now we're thinking oh they're actually all the same type of object so blazers are just these objects that are coming straight at us and the radiation is just coming directly towards us is there something that we we can see with these telescopes that we have yet to 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 understand is there something that we we are really struggling to find a good model for when it comes to physics anything uh, that that you know that that really holds a great challenge for for, phys- for physicists. Yeah, well, I mean, arguably the um, the the biggest uh, challenge for LOFAR and the thing that they that would be the biggest scientific discovery is they're looking for uh, the repock of repock of ionization. So they're basically trying to look back to the very start of the Big Bang and just measure the the, the emission from that. Um, and that's an incredibly difficult thing to do because it's supposed to be very faint. So we have predictions of how faint it would be. Um, but LOFAR is an incredibly sensitive instrument. So if you had a mobile phone on the moon now, I mean, that signal would be completely washing out your LOFAR signal. Like that would be like about a thousand times brighter than wow. the objects we're looking at. So like LOFAR is we're like, even though we're talking about black holes that are thousands of light years and all this kind of thing, that they're really faint because they're so far away. I mean, they're like four, five, six, seven billion light years away. Um, I mean, light gets to the moon in about one second. So like, that's you know one second so if you keep going for a minute a year a billion years several billion it's years it's a very just, long time yeah yeah and finally uh, just if you can be really brief about this what happened before the big bang Sean yeah I'm no, just kidding uh, Sean Manny PhD student uh, at UCD School of Physics and member of the Low Fires Keys uh, Sur- Surveys Keys Science Project thanks very much for joining me mm-hmm.